Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, if you will, and we'll get the kids all taken care of and everything, and they will uh, be good to go. Ephesians chapter number 5. Let's, let's open in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, your word, for, your time, uh, for the, the time we can spend in it, the opportunity we have to study it together, and we pray that it will be instructive to our hearts so that your grace may be living in our lives daily for your glory and your honor. In your name we pray, amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, we, we're, we're going to get back into uh, this passage here of how, what does a spirit-filled life look like, and we've been talking to the husbands, and just kind of a refresher this morning to get our thinking back into it, talk about a few things, and then kind of move on down in the passage. Uh, let's start reading in verse 25, if you will. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now, it's an interesting thing here. Uh, and last time, uh, by the way, notice in verse 25, the as and so, okay? We did it with the, late, with the wives back up in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. That as and so, as we see the relationship with Christ and the church, so it's going to be now in this role of a wife. As we see it with Christ in the church, so it's going to be with the husbands. But notice verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave him for it. And it's not until verse 28 do we get the so. See that? So ought men to love their wives. See? So as, and then he goes into this doctrinal discourse, dissertation here about how Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Well, first, what did he do? He gave himself for it, if you remember this. He came in and he gives himself for the, for the church. He lays in. God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he loves the church. Then, verse 26, what did he do? He sanctified it, right? Then he cleansed it, and then he presented it to himself. And I have to change the chalk, sorry, but that's just not going to work. So here you are, you get saved, he sanctifies you, he sets you apart for which he has created you to be. You're that new creature, you're that new creation, you got this new identity, this is a done deal. Then he's going to cleanse you, and then he's going to present you. Now, this is Christ in the church, okay? When you, we saw this last time, okay? If you didn't, go back. And we, we went through all of the doctrinal things here. I want to look at this passage a little, in, in a little more detail here. And, and again, kind of bring it back up into our thinking. But now in the issue of, okay, husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ does this. So what does that look like? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 24. Start in one passage and depart from the text quickly. That's a joke. You can laugh if you caught what I said. Look at Proverbs 24 and verse 3 and 4. Because there's, there's something here that is just fascinating when you begin to think about how we are to love our wives, men. And by the way, husbands, if you're, if you're men and you're not husbands, husbands-to-be or husbands-not-to-be, whatever. And by the way, ladies, this information is applicable to you as well. Because as you see your husband do it, well, what do you want your husband to be? The best husband he can be, so you come up and support him as he's doing this with you and to you, okay? 
Look at Proverbs 24. Look at verse number 3. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Notice that, Pat. Notice that. How are we to build our house, gentlemen, husbands? We're to do it how? Through wisdom, by understanding, and by knowledge. Isn't that interesting? All three issues there. By wisdom, having God's viewpoint. How would God think about building your house? By understanding the skills to respond to the thinking that, that are going, that, that, that are, that it's going to be needed to go into this building. You're going to build with some insight and with some understanding. And then not by knowledge. And that's, the, that, that's that perception that comes from doing and processing through the three. Come back to chapter 3 of Proverbs. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding is what's going to build a, ho- a home, a house. Uh, I was talking to, to Keith there, and he said, Debbie, Debbie's been gone, and the house is too quiet. But you know, when Debbie comes home, it's no longer a house, it's a what? It's a home. See, that's a difference. That's a, that's, a, that's a different environment. The house is just four walls and a roof. It's what's going on inside of it that makes the home. Proverbs 3. Notice, if you will, at verse 19. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and by understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. Do you see creation itself was founded by what? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. When God created the universe, he did it as an expression of his wisdom, of his knowledge, of his understanding. When God put those three into creation... He also put it into, come back now to Ephesians 5, the marriage. He put it into the issue of volition, the issue of you having the ability to make a decision. How are you going to make a decision? You better have some wisdom, knowledge, and understanding about some things. I I, I think about an illustration of buying a car. You know, you go buy a car. What do you do? Just go down to the dealer and buy it? Sure, why not? Or what do you do? Now nah, you're researching a guy on, on one of the uh, magazines I get. He says, don't over-research. <laughs> By the way, you know today that they're having a shortage of the semiconductors to run your computer in the new car. So your old car is, guess what, very valuable now. <laughs> you know, they're really looking for them. But see, the thing is, is what do you do when you buy a car? You get a little wisdom. Do you want Chevy or Ford or Dodge or Toyota or Honda? What do you want? What do you, what, first of all, what are you going to do with it? If you're just going to run from A to B, then you can go over here and get into a little Toyota or a Honda. But if you're going to be hauling something big and heavy, now you've got to think about horsepower and torque. So you begin to research it. You, you begin to go purchase it with some what? With some wisdom. Then you're going to have some knowledge. You're going to have some experience about, about things. I, I've always had a sh- Every Toyota I've ever owned is broken down on me. Every Ford that I've ever owned has broken down on me. Every Honda, every Dodge, the only one that's never broke down on me, knock on the wood, has been a Chevy until we bought that Nissan out, that Infiniti out there. And now we're worried about, you know. So what do I have with my experience, my knowledge, my under, I, I, where am I going? Where I know I've been. Now, some of you have different experiences, different preferences. But how did you get there? By wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And you know, gentlemen, when it comes into our marriage, these concepts are here as well. And they're here in the instructions to the husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. And again, what is their basic need? Verse 33, 533. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife. 
even as himself. What's the very basic need of the wife? To be loved. The security and the, the, the commitment of your love. They're, the supreme cry of the wife's heart is, is, love me. I'm it. I'm the center of your attention. By the way, ladies, what's the supreme cry of your man's heart? Well, and the wife see that she reverence her husband, that respect issue there. You don't need a list, by the way. I got a book in the mail just before we left on marriage counseling and different things and stuff I had been looking for just for reference material. And in the back of it, it has 10 things a wife needs, 10 things a husband needs. Yeah, 10, that's what I said, 10, I got like 30, come on, man, you're ripping me off here. No, but, and, and you know what, honestly, after the first two in the list, they were all repeating various things of the first two. But you know what God's word says? There's really only one. Love and respect, love and reverence. Verse 26 Verse 25, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. How did he give himself? 100%. He didn't just go in and say, oh, and pull a U-turn. Oh, no, you can't have that. No, he said, you can have my all. You have my all. 100% in. That's that marriage love we talked about last time. Verse 25 is what marriage love is defined as. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for it. Christ demonstrates his love for the church by what? Giving himself for it. That that wonderful, not just an emotion, but that self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the best for the one that it loves. That's what marriage love is. We talked about love. Love is not something you fall into because that means you can fall out of it. It's Philippians 1, verse 9, it's that mental attitude. It's that caring, that commitment, that self-sacrificing that's going to demonstrate itself when it's seeking the highest good of the one that it loves. That's why I've said over and over again, wives... You want your husband to be the best husband he can be. Husbands, you want your wives to be the best that she can be. So how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? What does it look like? That's why verse 26 and 27 are critical passages here for the husbands to know how to love his wife. Husbands, we're to love our wives. You know why? God's, will, God's word says so. says to do it. Well, she's not lovable today. doesn't say only on the day she's lovable. Sorry. It says what? Love her. That's, and by the way, ladies, at the end of verse 24, let, so let the wives be to their own husbands in what? Not just on the days when he's not. It's in everything. So then the question then gets to be, how then does the husband, how does it work? Well, verse 26 and 27, by the way, lay out three things, doesn't it? Sanctify, cleanse, and presentation. And we begin to see this issue here in these three steps. We see Christ's relationship to the church. That has been pictured, illustrated out as the same relationship the husband is to have with his wife. And when you begin to think about his relationship to the church, you just, he sanctified it, verse 25, 26, that he might sanctify. What did he do with the church? He set the church apart with a new identity, didn't he? He takes unbelievers, sinners, and he gives them a new identity. He sanctified them unto himself. Here's a new creature, a new creation, a new identity. He's allowed man to do something man could never do when they're in him. And that's go live and serve for him. He says, you're so identified with me. You're set apart to me. You're holy to me. And you know what? Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. 
and the love of Christ. Romans 8 there, the end of Romans 8. He says, you're mine. I purchased you. I bought you. I set you to be mine. It's done. Then what does he do? He cleanses and cleanses it with the washing of the water by the word. He cleanses it with the word. He established the edification process of growth. And that's what this is. The cleansing is a growth pattern. It's a growth. Let's go this way, up. <laughs> Let's grow up. It's a growth issue. He established a way for you and I to grow into the life of Christ. He, he developed a manner, a, a way for you and I to learn and to grow and to become spiritually developed in who we are in Christ. In our first hour, we're in Romans 8. Such critical identification issues that help you grow and help you understand who you are and how to be and what you're to be. And then in verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Wow. He does all of this to the church, us. The church, the body of Christ. So that he can do what? Present it to himself without spot and blemish, without wrinkle, without holy and without blemish. He, you are perfect in that day. Now doctrinally, whoops, that's out over here. Judgment seat of Christ up into the heavenlies and the heavenly places. But notice he presented it to who? The first place he presents it to is himself. Then we learn 1 Thessalonians 3, he goes and presents it to the Father. But first it's to himself. And just as Christ's relationship, just as he does that, just as he sanctifies it, sets us apart for him, just as he, he causes us to be cleansed with water by the... By, it with the washing of water by the word. Just as the word comes in and spiritually develops and there's a presentation. Husbands, we're to do the same with our wives. And this is where those building blocks of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come in. He says over in Peter, 2 Peter, I'm sorry, uh, 1 Peter, <laughs> I get it right. 1 Peter chapter 1 no, it's not there. So it's got to be Second Peter. No. How about chapter 3, 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Peter, dealing with husbands and wives, he says, Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them, that's the wives, according to what? To knowledge. I read that and I go, how in the world are we, you know, Men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? Or whatever that book was. How in the world do you dwell according to them with knowledge? That is the most mysterious creature we've ever come across. How in the world? Well, Ephesians 5 tell, is telling us that. We're to, we're to build this here together. And again, ladies, wives, these instructions are for you too. Because if God wants these for your husband to be doing to you, then what should your focus be? Same thing. If you come back up to verse 22, ladies, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Let me remind you that you need to be willing to be influenced by the leadership of your husband, especially when he leads you into these three areas. You need to be willing to, to go there with him. And that's something you need to consider and think about. Because he's going there and you need to go there with him. Verse 26, that he might sanctify. Now, we're going to talk here the rest of the morning about husbands and wives with their wives. How do husbands love their wives? What's the first thing we're going to do, guys? We're going to sanctify them. That is, we're going to set her apart for the purpose she was created. 
Okay? What was her purpose? What was she created to be? Genesis chapter 2. Run back there quickly. Genesis chapter 2. You should know this. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. Genesis 2, 20, uh, 2, 18. 2.23, let's go there. 2.23, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will, she will be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Uh, by the way, it's interesting. He doesn't call her Eve here. He calls her Eve later after the fall. Here she's what? Woman. Whoa, where have you been all my life? Woman. She just shows up. She's, he's, she's sanctified. God now is going to, God is explaining to Adam where she came from. And what does he say? And what does Adam call her? Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She's what? She's mine. If you go back up to verse 18. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. You know what Adam just got done doing? Looking at the animal creation and realizing that there was no one there for him, no helper for him, help meet. So then when God forms the Eve, the woman, he says what? This is a bone of my bones. You know what? It's, this is not the feline over here or the canine or any of these other groups. This is human. <laughs> She's mine. Then what does he do in verse 24? Performs a first marriage. And he says, therefore shall a man leave his father. Notice it doesn't say woman. You know why it doesn't say woman? Because the man is who? He's the head. He's the leader. She's going to go with her husband. The man is to establish and to be the head of his own home, to establish a new independent household. And she's to go with him. It's not talking about... When Linda and I got... When we were courting, as they say, we did it long distance. And... I told my dad, I said, if this is going to work, I have to leave and go to Arizona. And he said, no, you don't. <laughs> she can come here. And I said, well, she can't because of health issues. That's not what he's talking about, leaving a territory and moving to another. He's talking about stepping out and establishing your own independent house and home leadership. And then he says shall leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. I, cleave. Have, have you ever worked with wallpaper? I heard this illustration. This was in one of those books I was looking for. Uh, wallpaper. When you put wallpaper on the wall, what does it do? It cleaves, doesn't it? It sticks there. But do you know what the wallpaper does? It takes the shape of whatever is on that wall. If you miss a nail head... You ever done that? I have. Go through, thought you got all the wall smooth, and then there's a ripple, and you put the wallpaper up, and guess what there is now? A ripple. The wallpaper conforms to the shape of the wall. You know what the wife is to do? You know what the husbands are to do? They're to bring their, the wives are to, are to begin to take the shape of her husband. Oh, a little different. She doesn't lose her identity. We're, talk, we're all equal, but we're now in a roles of a what? Of a husband and a role of a wife. And then the two become what? One flesh. And they shall be one flesh. You take red and blue, and what do you get? Purple. No longer red, no longer blue. We are purple. Do you know how hard it is to take red out of purple? It can't be done. Why? Because we're now all, to, we're all one. So go back to Ephesians 5. So we're to, I'm, I'm sorry, you're still in Genesis, right? 
I didn't even read the verse of why we're there. <laughs> 2.18. We're going to sanctify her. We're going to set her apart. But we're going to set her apart, Genesis 2.18, to be what? The help meet. Some of you said it earlier. The help meet. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. You know what she's going to do? She's gonna, you're going to sanctify her, men, husbands. You're, you, you decided, you, the two of you decided to get married. You're going to do what? You're going to set her apart to who? To you. She's going to become your wallpaper. She's going to mirror you. She's going to look like you. Uh-oh. Yipes is right. That means you've got work to do, don't you? I mean, seriously, if you think about what's happening here, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and what? Gave himself for it. If you think about our identity in Christ, Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, that co-death, burial, and resurrection, when he died, he didn't die alone. You were with him when he was buried. You were with him. And when he rose again, you were with him. This is the same thing in, in marriage. You're going to sanctify her. You're gonna, she decided to be your wife. You decided to be her husband. Volition, it's done. The I do's are said. You look at her and you go, oh my goodness, what do I do with this now? And he says, you're going to sanctify her. You're going to set her apart to a new identity, a new purpose that she's never had before. And that's to be your wife, your helpmeet. And then together, you're going to build a family. This has not, listen to me, ladies, <laughs> gentlemen, husbands. This has nothing to do with the kids. Kids don't make the marriage. Kids make the family. We'll get down there in a couple months. This, does, this is not about her career. Sorry, ladies. Well, I can have a career. I didn't say you couldn't have one. This is not about your career. I hear young people all the time. I worked so he could go to school. I worked so she could go to school. That's not what marriage is about. Marriage elements are these three things we're talking about. It's not about possessions. It's the issue of making her one with you. That's the issue of sanctifying her. Making her one with you. You follow that, I hope. And then he says, and cleansed it with the washing of water by the word. <laughs> Cleanse it, purify it. Take away the impurities. And that's going to be done by the washing of water by the word. And that's a, I, I read that, and it's an odd way of saying it, but yet it's a perfect way of saying it. Because when we, talk, when we think about cleansing and washing, that's, that doesn't happen naturally. We don't naturally cleanse. I, I, I heard a guy one time call this the wife-washing passage. We don't naturally do this. It takes the Word of God to cleanse and to purify and to radically change us. You with me? That's why it's the washing by water. What do you do with water? You clean it up. You purify it. You clean it. But it's, all, but it's by what? By the Word. Come over with me to Romans 6. I, if you think about this, it takes the grace of God to change us, folks. It takes the love and the grace of God to change you and I fundamentally, radically change us. Look at Romans 6.6. 6. Think about that verse, Romans 6.6. 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. What a radical way of thinking about your relationship to sin. It doesn't say sin died and went away. 
doesn't say you'll never sin again. It says sin's there and your relationship to it and your identity and who you are in Christ is a dead one. It ha- you know what a dead man has? Nothing. He has no power, no control, no inhibition, no movement, no whisper of, hey, you should do this. No good angel on one shoulder and bad angel on the other. None of that mess. You know why? Because he's dead. He's in the grave. He's in the coffin. Boy, what a radical way to think about yourself. That's how you ought to be thinking about your wife. You're going to purify it. You're going to clean her up. You're going to wash her down. You're going to get the soap suds out. And you're going to scrub behind the ears and clean. Why? Because she's yours. You've set her apart to you. And now you're trying to clean, you're trying to produce something in her. Come over, look at, get some passages. Look at John. Come to John 15. The Lord says this to the apostles, John 15. John chapter 15, verse number 3, he says, Now ye, talking to the, the, the little flock and the apostles, are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. How were they clean? Through the what? Through the word. Come over to chapter 17 of John. Chapter 17 and verse 17. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy word. What do we do? We sanctified her, didn't we? We said, we said, how did we do it? Through the word. Thy word is truth. Isn't that interesting? We're going to wash her. Come over to Psalms 119. We're going to wash her. What are we going to do? We're not going to come over here and use dove and aloe and... Old Spice, so she smells like a man, you know. What are we going to do? We're talking about spiritual growth. We're talking about taking the Word and putting the Word into her and putting the Word around her. And I know what happens. Most misnomers in religion today is that husbands, you got to have a Bible study every day with your wife, every day at noon, every day, blah, 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 and they ground it. And you know, some guys just aren't Bible study guys. I'm sorry. I've met a lot of men, a lot of guys. And some of them aren't just that devotional type. Some of them are great. But men, that doesn't get you off the hook. Your job is still to put her in a position where she can learn the word rightly divided. That's why the local church, that's why Ephesians 5 sits talking to the local church. That's part of our job is to pro- provide that atmosphere of learning. And I know somebody, oh, well, but over there in Corinthians it says there, women are learning home from their men. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. You've got to read the context of that nonsense, of those verses. There's stuff going on specific here. By the way, not every man in the church in 1 Corinthians 12 there had the gift, had a gift. It's only the ones that had it given to them by the Spirit. See, that's why you've got to know the context before you go shooting your mouth off about stuff. We're in the local church. You've got Psalms 119 now. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get a little warm. But guys, that's our job. Three chapters a day to read. That's easy. You know that? But you know what makes it even more intimate and more, e- and more easier or easy? Is take your wife and sit with her in the morning over coffee and read with her. Whether you like to read out loud or back and forth, whatever. But do it together as a couple. Not chasing verses and rabbit trails, but just sit there over coffee and toast and eggs and bacon and whatever you eat. That's, that's what I eat, Okay. So what do you do? You sit there with her and you say, hey, let's read this together. And men, you take the lead in that and say, this is what we're going to do. And say, hey, look, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to Bible study Monday night. We're going to go to Bible study Wednesday night. We're going to go to... St- we're gonna- and guys, take the lead. What are you doing? You're cleansing her. You're growing her. Psalms 119, verse number 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? What a question. How do I clean myself up? 
By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. You know marriage counsel books, multi-billion industry, won't fix you. The statistics that come out of that stuff on the real side, not the stuff they use to sell you the programs, is that it doesn't work. And you know why? Because they give you work to do and nobody does the work required. If I were to tell you these are the eight things you need to do to fix your marriage, you know how many of those eight things you'll do? None of them. You know that? Survey says, ain't going to happen. So I just charged you 200 bucks an hour to tell you to do something you ain't going to go do, and you come back the next week and you're not done. And, and you know what you are? You're in that vicious little treadmill. How do I cleanse my way? How do I fix it? The only way to fix it is through the word. That's why when we, by the way, if I sit with you in marriage counseling, guess where we're going to go? Rick's how to do it? No, God's word. Now look at verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I done what? I hid in my heart. You know, if you read three chapters a day and you get through Paul's epistles in the month, and you turn around and you do that for 12 months, you know what you're doing? You're hiding the word in your heart. And then when things come up in life, because they do, things get roughy. Life stinks sometimes. You know what's going to come up? Not your human viewpoint, but rather a verse or two over here that says, you know what? Let's have a little long-suffering here. Let's have a little mercy here. Let's have something else here. Come back to Ephesians 5. Folks, gentlemen, God's Word, that's what you're going to teach her. That's what you're going to put in front of her. You take that and you begin to learn about the what, what am I going to put off and what am I going to put on. Then let's go put those things off and on. And again, you do not do this naturally. Naturally, you know what your old man says? You need to go spend the 200 bucks and talk to the guy. You need something to... Do. I had a couple one time years ago. Oh my goodness. Heavens, they, anyway, they were fighting so bad. You know what I told them to do? I said, You take your Bibles and you go home and you list in order all of the kings of Israel and all of the kings of Judah. This is before Google. And come back next week with them. You know what they came back with? Only a handful, but I asked them, How'd your week go? Did you fight? She said, no, we were too busy looking up the kings and trying to figure them out. Well, maybe now that's where we ought to be. Paying attention to what? The word. What's going on here? You see, you don't naturally come in here and clean up and begin to spiritually grow. You know what begins to happen? Naturally, you're fighting it. You're bucking it. You want something to do. And so You know why you want something to do? So you can say, the preacher said you ought to be doing that, and you ain't doing it. I did mine. Nah, 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 nah. See? Rather than growing together. Cleanse our husbands, the spiritual growth, the putting off, the putting on, that new identity. The, you're going to do that by following the word, the sound doctrine that comes into our lives, and it'll clean it up. It'll get rid of what doesn't need to be there. By the way, let me just say, I'm nothing against marriage counseling, okay? I'm here for you. I'm just saying, when you do it, let's do it with the right viewpoint coming from the Word of God. Paul over there to the Philippians, he says, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are virtue of good report, what? Think on these things. Boy, what an instructive verse of where we ought to be thinking. Husbands, our responsibility is to do this. And wives, your responsibility is to allow him to influence you in the doing of it. Husbands, your wife needs the leadership that's required to cleanse the relationship, purify it, grow it. It's our responsibility to teach her that, to show her that, to get her in the place where she can learn that, to grow spiritually. Wives, your job is to be submissive to that. 
to allow that to happen, to, to be influenced by it. You're back in five, right? And I got to find where five. I'm not in five. That's why it doesn't look right. There we go. 526. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. It's entrusting God's word. It's an understanding the sound doctrine. It's allowing the sound doctrine to penetrate down into your heart and into hers. That's how you're going to lead her to trust you. That's how you're going to lead her to believe the doctrine and walk in the doctrine and watch it work out in your marriage. And, it, and that focus is really down in on the inner man. And the cleansing takes place in the inner man. And again, that only happens by the walk of faith in the Word of God rightly divided. And then he says in verse 27 something that is just so wonderful that it's really literally for me hard to articulate for the husband. Because now there's a presentation that he might present it to himself, a glorious, I know it says church, but let's say wife. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, I added the changes because I'm talking about the husband's. The presentation to himself. I do all this work. We're doing all of this together so that I can present her to myself having what? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Uh Uh-oh. Isn't that what the ladies are worried about? The spots and the wrinkles and the blemishes? Yeah. Yeah. I see you over there, you, get, you, you, know, you walk into Walgreens and the first thing you're hitted with is the cosmetic section. It's half the store. And you're over there getting the, the young cream. Right? Anti-aging, thank you. I'm, see, that's how much I, I'm aging, you know. It, it's, right? But you know, ladies, that's not where the beauty is. When he says without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, he's not talking about her outward, the external beauty. He's talking about this inner beauty now. This inner beauty as she grows into being your wife, into being you. The two shall become one. This this growth issue here. Now, again, external beauty is a given. You have to have the physical track attractiveness. I talked to a couple one time, again, years ago, okay? And I'm like, I asked her, what do you see in this guy? He's ugly, uglier than sin. What do you see in him? And she's like, oh. And I'm like, okay. Now look at her. What do you see in her? She can stop a bus. I mean, come on. And he's like, oh. They had a physical attraction. I looked at him, I'm like, I don't, okay, we'll see what happens. By the way, they had the most beautiful child you could ever. I'm like, oh, okay. But what is it? Everybody's perspective. He's not talking about the outer beauty. That's, that's there. He's rather talking about this inner beauty, this inner growth that causes her to become more lovely, more beautiful as she grows into godliness, as she grows into holiness. With time, folks that used to attend here, they can't because of physical, Don and Patricia, 50 years they've been married this last weekend. And you think about 50 years of looking at the same dude, but it isn't the same dude, is it? No, or the same lady, dudette. (laughs) No, it's what? A growth. And over time, what does she become? More lovely more glorious, the glorious church, the glorious, he presents it to himself. He sets her on display in all of her inner beauty, in all of her splendor. But he does it to who? Himself. 
Gentlemen, that's the goal. The goal in leading your wife. The goal in having and leading and doing. The goal of leading your wife into a life of godliness. True godliness, okay? True holiness. Is so that she can be by your side as that godly, radiant, beautiful, honorable wife. Demonstrating the beauty of holiness. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, please. As husbands, when that happens, we can clearly look at her and say, she's mine. I said it last week or two weeks ago, you put her on your arm and you just got a little strut going. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So he looks at his wife. She's growing. By the way, if she's not growing, do you know whose fault that is? Yours, husband's. It's your job. If she's not growing, you're not growing. So what do you got to do? Got to get to growing. As she go through the time, you're going to present. Go back to Ephesians 5. Husbands, loving your wife has nothing to do with you just getting something out of her for yourself. I knew a couple, they got married. I use this in the marriage counseling sometimes, this illustration. He grew up in a home where dad came home right at 5 o'clock. Mom had dinner on the table on a hot plate, ready to go. So guess what he wanted done when he got married? He wanted, uh, when he got home, hot plate, on the table, eat dinner, boom. First time he did that, he came home, there was a cold kitchen. Uh-oh. So he threw a fit. She didn't understand. So the next, he, well, he articulated what he wanted. So the next evening he comes home and guess what's on the table? Supper, ready to go, just not on a hot plate. You know, like, hot plate? What are you talking about? He literally wanted the plate that the food sat on hot so the food never got cold. So he's, he's, now he's not just talking, now he's, she threw the plate at him. Yeah, I, what? They're ready, I mean, they've only been married a couple weeks. They're done with each other. We're out of here. Where's the annulment paper? We're done. I'm like, wait a minute, slow down. Husbands, loving your wife has nothing to do with getting a hot plate. It has to do with something else. It has to do with the perfecting, the godliness and the, and the holiness and the beauty in her and leading her in that. That's loving your wife. Again, it's not career. It's not possessions. It's not the kids. It's we have the privilege to be married to our sister in Christ. We have the privilege to be married to our spouse and to put our lives into leading her to where she is the best she can be. Not getting. By the way, if you lead her to the best that she can be, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get what you need and what you want. Because what are you doing? You're doing your job as her husband. So then what is she going to do as a wife? Come up and be the helpmeet. Follow that? All right, we've got to finish up. She's your sister. I know no other place that is the greatest privilege to live with another member of the body of Christ in the most intimate and personal human relationship you can have than to be married to my sister in Christ. 
when I do a wedding, at the end when we present the couple, I always say to them, welcome to the highest halls of human happiness. Because that's what it is. Boy, what a great calling we have. This is a process of time. It's called a lifetime. The growth is there. Now we come to verse 28. We'll get here next week because time's up. So ought men. Now we're going to get into husband 101. (laughs) Here it comes. Here's the instructions. We're to love her. How are we to do that? We're to set her apart. She's ours. We're to cause the spiritual growth, which then will cleanse the, the situation with the ultimate goal of presenting her as saying, there she is, she's mine, and all of her true godliness and holiness. Look at what I've done. Now that looks different in all of the marriages in this room. But those are the core building blocks. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's needed. Okay? That's why there's more verses to the guys, because we got a little bit more on the plate to handle. But ladies, you need to know it. Why? Because when you see your husband doing it or not doing it, you understand what's at stake. If he's not doing it, don't hit him upside the head with the frying pan saying, you're not doing it. Just be patient. Be, that, be, be the wife that he needs you to be. Maybe it does take a frying pan. I don't know. Some of you guys are pretty hard-headed. But be who you're supposed to be. Gentlemen, when you, see your, when you see that you're failing, what do you do? Time out. Let's reset. Let's get back to zero, and let's go. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the instructions here. We thank you for who we are in your Son. We thank you for all grace and all sufficiency in all things. In your name we pray. Amen.